the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gestand. And I'm also happy, also happy, happy to be with you today, happy to be alive on this Monday edition of Lifeline. I hope you're happy as well. I hope you understand your privileged position, your blessings, your um, your calling in life, understand uh, the providence of God in your circumstance. Things maybe could be better, but they also could be worse. And so we want to count our blessings. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistin. Let me put the number out there so that you can fill the phone lines with your coveted aspirations. one 888 Now, why am I giving you the number up front? So that as soon as your thoughts have been fertilized with our conversation, my exhortation to you, and the different topical uh, objectives that we will seek to um, discover, explore, maybe uh, deconstruct and analyze, you, you'll be ready to simply push the button. one 888 This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And be thankful for another day. I hope you are innocent until proven guilty or guilty until proven innocent seems to be the dyslexic response to party allegiance or uh, opponent destruction. Um, if he's not on my team, then he's got to be guilty because someone said he's guilty. If he's on my team, he's absolutely innocent until proven guilty. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But if he's not on my team, uh, most likely it's true. That's the kind of sentimentality that our culture embraces, does it not, relative to accusations being hurled about persons here, there, uh, and yon. I'm talking right now about Judge Roy Moore. If I don't if you don't know what's going on, he is presently under a storm of attack about events that happened in his life some 40 years ago. That's why I I use the phrase innocent until proven guilty or guilty until proven innocent. It always is hovering on that kind of bifurcation, is it not? It's either he is or he is not merely upon the allegation as opposed to the fundamental principle and discipline that we are to prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, be swift to hear and slow to speak. And then understanding what the proverb says, he that is in, is first in his own cause. In other, one, in other words, the person that's pointing the finger and casting the accusation <clears throat> always will pull and sway those who are undisciplined, who are indiscriminate, who are impulsive and giving to gossip. They'll always be inclined to say, ooh, maybe he has something there. 
By the way, this principle applies with all heresy, with all false doctrine, heredoxy, um, uh, all sorts of erroneous ideas in the world. Someone will just uh, proffer a notion, if you will. The world's flat. And then off to the races, tons of people run, embrace it, and swear that it's true because they think it's new. And and they have a predisposition to the old as, as if the old is always wrong. Now, what surprises me about these kinds of people is that often they profess to be Christian. Now, if you are a Christian, there is a fundamental presupposition, a priori assumption, not only in your theology, that is the existential depository of truth that you have in your hand, if you do have one called the word of God. But even in your makeup as a new creature, you have an a priori assumption that the old rooted in the ancient of days, God himself, is always, always true, no matter what comes down the pike. And the old fathers, the the, the patriarchs, the the patristic fathers, the, the, the church fathers made it plain. If it's new, it's probably not true particularly with notions that come out over against those things that are commonly held and have been empirically proven and and theologically sound and philosophically coherent and uh, scientifically right. I'm just simply stating that you and I want to be very careful because we've been bombarded with information and data every day of our lives. And you really do have to ask the question. You have to ask the question, okay, this new piece of information that I'm hearing, is this part of a larger conglomerate polyglot of data that's simply designed to unhinge me from reality, to test my uh, discernment skills, my my information base, my knowledge, my my epistemology, if you will. I know that's a long term and it doesn't have a whole lot of relevance for the average individual. Your worldview, let's call it that. Your worldview, how you view things to be. Data comes and all of a sudden your world is shaken up because you heard something new. Data comes because all of a sudden you heard something new. And in what you heard, you go, wow, that's interesting. That's that's phenomenal. Never heard that before. And off to the races you run. Rather than discerning it and doing what the Bible says, objectively critiquing it, analyzing it, doing all the research that is necessary. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In other words, don't just rely upon your own impulses and drives to just say, yeah, don't bite at the bit in order to just have something else to purvey in the uh, vast resources of your database, because that's making you a fool's errand, if you will. Just something new, like Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. They were always looking for something new to busy themselves about and, 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 and to occupy themselves. Fundamentally, what I'm saying is this, is that uh, information and data as it comes in every day is not good for you. It's not good for us. It's not good for us if we are not really rooted and grounded in truth. And that is reality according to God and the ability to discern everything and to fence it off and not let it in until we have determined whether or not it's good for us holistically. Is it good for me psychologically? Is it good for me emotionally? Is it good for me sociologically? Is it good for me physiologically? Is it good for me spiritually? 
Or is this something that's going to continue to unravel my integrity and, and cause me to appear to be a fool down the line somewhere when I have just completely disregarded all of the warning signs that goes along with heterodoxical, heretical, aberrant, um, false, bogus, spurious ideas that get proffered every day in our world. Um, for some of you, you are getting it right. Slow down. Quit, quit being so quick to, to judge. Quit, quit being so quick to give your soul over to uh, the garbage diet of fake news and fake data and fake information that, that, that undermines your testimony as a Christian. Quit doing that. Just take your time. Take your time. Analyze the thing at length and then pass it on to credible sources that are also outside of the sphere of your amen club so that you are not simply trying to store up, if you will, um, corroboration. I remember a man long ago. He's dead now. He was told over and over and over again. That your numbers don't work. Your theory is flawed. There are assumptions in your framework that you need to reexamine. And as a consequence, you've got to be wrong because you just you can't have a flawed premise and have a, a, a proper outcome. You can't say a thing is so with with an indiscriminate circular reasoning methodology just because you want to be right. And so the individual continued disregarding the disregarding the warnings that was given to him over and over and over again. And and date came and date went and date came and date went and date came and date went and date has kept coming and kept going. And there are those who have taken up his mantle and continue doing the same thing. What I'm getting at is that you and I have to be careful in so many different spheres. One of them is politics. I, I say to Christians all the time. Your calling is priestly and prophetic. It's not political. God doesn't need a PR man. God doesn't need a right party to defend his presence, his providence, his power, his person, his passion, his principles. God has provided a church to be that. But the church has to operate a bit outside of the spherical dimensions of the dialectical process of left and right. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, you're going to get mud on yourself and our culture will not have any reason to believe you. And in terms of you saying that you bear the Imago Day at a dimension of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that the depository of truth you call the word of God, you actually really believe when you're walking in, in uh, concepts and ideas that are so bogus that they're just designed to create masses of uh, hypnotized people driven into the abyss of error. So be careful. Be careful. So what do you say? I mean, uh, Judge Roy Moore is running for the Senate, as you guys know, for those of you who are in the, the, the fray politically. And all sorts of allegations have popped up on him as they popped up on Bill Clinton, as they popped up on Donald J. Trump. And, you know, back in the day before Mr. Trump became President Trump, I was telling you guys, you know, you got to be very careful to examine these allegations on their own merit, no matter how much you like the man or not. He's not guilty because you don't like him. And he's not righteous because you do. He's guilty or righteous because of the facts. And so 
We've got Donald Trump, and he was able to overcome the allegations. Now, Mr. Uh, uh, Roy Moore, Judge Roy Moore, has been uh, known historically for his staunch defense of God and the and, and, and the Ten Commandments and wanting them to be restored into you know our halls of justice, et cetera. And he's uh, overtly against things that would be contrary to what we would call a Christian worldview. So he is a champion of sorts, if you will, for the faith. But that does that make him impenetrable? Does that make him uh, unassailable? Is it possible? Is it possible that there are things that took place in his past of which he's going to have to kind of reckon with and, and deal with and address and, and, and what have you? Of course, it's obvious that his political foes are seeking to try to overthrow him. That's politics. That's why you want to stay as far away from it as possible, because mudslinging gets everybody dirty at the end of the day. It gets everyone dirty at the end of the day, and it doesn't advance the gospel at all. No gospel in it. Um, But our interest is in politics because we are so deeply rooted in it. I got that. This Thursday, we will be holding a panel at Faith Fellowship on race relations, if that is not as political as you can get, you have no understanding of the world and history. History in the world is rooted in the diabolical conception of race as a fundamental framework for all the craziness that you and I are dealing with. And I'm hoping that as we are um, engaging in the panel discussion, that that, that historical fact would uh, serve as a light post for our discussion. Otherwise, we'll be, again, in the fray of opinions and people's feelings, and, and it will be very difficult to make any headway if we're not willing to deal with historical, objective um facts that have been verified and clearly documented to be so. Um, that's the world that we are in. I actually love the present generation that we're in, in terms of uh, kind of the cultural benefits of a 21st century, uh, highly techno- technologically advanced society relative to um, uh, data and information being so freely available to us, because if we're not lazy, we can do the research and begin to acquire uh, facts, assimilate, assimilating a, a, a database of facts that are coherent and consistent and therefore plausible for our position. And, and we can have ascertained those things in, in little of no time. If you want to stay up a few hours uh, burning the candle, so to speak, to do that, you can be blessed uh, with some information and go, my goodness, I did not know that. Now I do. Um, in any event, that Thursday's event is going to be uh, potentially, potentially um, a, a very good thing. At least the the potential of it is uh, is is uh, something I'm looking forward to uh, with Mister Mister Craig Roberts uh, and and his his mediating that whole panel. Um, but look, I've got to take a break. I've got two lines open: one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open. If you want to call and talk about uh, anything that you think is worth us discussing for the next hour and see 40 minutes here. This is the privilege we have in a quasi free country right now where we can talk about these things without um, any kind of reprimand in any event. I'm glad to be with you. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistin. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. 
All right, we're back at the time, 5.23 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. A little foggy and overcast today. It's not the greatest of um, weather, but not too bad. Two lines open, one 329 If you want to call in and chime in on what I'm talking about, I'll bring up another subject. Be glad to hear from you. Let me go to line number one and talk with Steve in San Mateo. Steve, what's your question, comment, or observation today on this Monday edition of Lifeline? Hi, Jesse. First, a quick comment on Roy Moore. It's frightening how easy it is to just throw mud on somebody and completely destroy them without any real evidence. I don't think he's destroyed. I don't think he's destroyed. But let me say this. When you are um, as vocal and as assertive as he is, and he's moving towards a strategic position in the government, given the climate of politics today, uh, you may know it, um, Steve, that you have a false left and false right representation. They definitely don't want anyone who is going to be outside of the box or operating with a worldview that's contrary to theirs because of the good old boys slap each other on the back, pretend to be hostile, but behind closed doors, they actually have the same agenda. And it certainly is not an agenda to promote a biblical worldview or anything like that if you're going to be making your way into that pool or a cesspool of politics, you've got to expect to take these kind of hits. Certainly, I agree 100%. Now, the, it was funny, your opening monologue took the wind out of my sails for the main question I was going to talk to you about. Okay. But I would like to, I have a little, I have a dear friend that has been my biblical go-to guy for many, many years. Yeah. And recently, about a couple months ago, he told me about this flat earth stuff. Yeah. And I was, you know, whatever. So I said, I looked into it a bit to come to find out that it seemed to me that there were quite a lot of Christians. I'm on, you know, I did some YouTube videos talking to different people that actually believe the Bible supports that there's a, the, the, or the flat earth theory. And they talk about the firmament and mm-hmm. the, the heliocentric sure. thing to hang on. The world is revolving, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, so so the question, first question is, do you think there's any biblical support for a, that says, and you know, I suspect possibly because of translations from ancient texts, the way they use the word circle to no sphere. Well, I'd let you let me talk on this for a it's, minute. Right. I'm not going to stay on it long only because I'm in the middle of trying to develop a much more cogent uh, refutation of it. Not that I'm worried about it because it's it's as ancient as the early church with uh, a whole lot of different worldviews. So you and I are, you know, at least a hybrid of, of uh, you know, uh, human speculation. That is to say, we don't purely see things uh, from from an absolutely biblical perspective or uh, a divine perspective. We are a product of our culture. We are a product of our society, its limitations, its distortions, etc. So I'm not really worried about, you know, when we go back through church history uh, and we see different persons in church history who have adopted views that in their culture might have been novel or even apparently uh, uh, new age or are progressive, if you will. Uh, and then they have found biblical texts to support those positions. I'm not really worried about that. Not really worried about Galileo uh, and his observation about the the circular aspect of the earth are are not uh, and, and how the churches you know oppose his his views not really worried about uh, any of that i'm not at all worried 
about, you know, the persons who are on the Internet with their uh, real weird and guru type music in the background. Whenever I I see these kinds of sites and this is something I did many, many years ago when I was a lot less busy than I am now. But I would go on these sites and there are fundamental trends by which you can pick up on the uh, sort of Hollywood aspect of the manipulation and coercion uh, through multiple sensory influences that these sites do. They they distort the sound of the speaker. They put weird and bizarre Zodiac type of music in the background. And they and, and they draw in they draw in undisciplined uh, uh, thinkers. And this is really about thinking. This is not necessarily on a theological level, although um, they're, they're proffering it towards a Christian generation. It's, a, it's something a little larger, Steve, too. And I don't I can't quite I can't quite say it yet, but I will down the line. And it has more to do with um, with the power of media that has learned how to utilize uh, resources like the Internet to interject uh, ideas, uh, to test, to see just how uh, unprincipled people professing Christians are who surf the web and engage in this type of stuff. Uh, these are balloon tests, and I'll just leave it like that. And they are able to detect how many folks can easily fall prey to this stuff. This is in a line and litany of all sorts of aberrant ideas that are out there that are um, uh, drawing many, many people away. And in reality, when, if we just follow the fundamental principle of how people get detoured from the basic tenets of things that have been historically uh, 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 considered, proven, practiced, and affirmed as coherent and rational and biblical and even secularly uh, affirmed, such as our ability to observe our world, to see our world, whether it's with the empirical eye or through telescope or by the laws of of mathematics and, and geometry and many different things that God has given us in order for us to navigate our world. All of those tools have worked efficiently for thousands of years to help us to navigate navigate the globe and I'm saying that intentionally <laughs> we've been able to navigate the globe through these disciplines and through these tools um, and we have been able to therefore write science books and have been able to therefore discuss what we have perceived our solar system to be albeit adjustments from here uh, and there from time to time and that's absolutely okay because we're not professing to see things absolutely perfectly as Paul said we see through a, a glass dimly but when one is rejecting fundamentals like geometry, fundamentals like gravity, other fundamentals that just constitute the, the basic building blocks of our world, and then all of a sudden want to engage in a whole new hypothesis, such as a flat earth theory, uh, uh, and, and no rotational process taking place between the sun, moon, and the stars, etc., a whole lot of fundamentals are going to collapse in terms of how we actually function in our world. They're going to be questioned. They're going to be uh, have to be thrown out. Uh, and, and it becomes, when I think it through, Steve, irrational for one to go more than a few hours listening to that propaganda and not realize that they are just hoodwinking people massively. And the outcome and implications of it is simply mass deception. Then what you have to do, then what you have to do, I'll let you I'll let you have the final words. Then what you have to do is is look for those sources who have uh, taken the time and done the real homework 
of doing what I said in my opening monologue. He that is first in his own cause seems just. That's the Proverbs. The Proverbs says there's always somebody running up saying, hey, I got some new data. And it always sounds persuasive when they put it out because they do it enthusiastically with passion and commitment. And then the patient person comes along, deconstructs it, cross-examines it, demonstrates its flaws and weaknesses. And, it, and it's left now for those who are in the courtroom of observation or um, uh, hearing to be able to make the judgment uh, with a more of an uh, informed and objective view as to that person who came along talking about the earth is flat or any other bizarre aberrant theory that's going on in our world and ask the question, am I going to leap onto this new bandwagon, abandoning all the other functional principles necessary for me to navigate my life and call myself coherent, consistent? and logical. Does that make sense, Steve? Certainly. I, my, my position completely on this whole matter yeah. is that uh, we know that there's a global assault on Christianity. Yes, sir. And, and just sanity. To, to, in general. Uh, in general. And the more that, the, 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 these ridiculous, absurd ideas are floated, the more fractured and disparity of, of, of community. Nobody can get along. I, 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 my main problem is my dear friend that I've been trusting on the biblical matters for so long, I don't even feel like talking to him about anything anymore because of this. And there it is. That's the, the goal has been attained by fracturing everyone. So now here's what I'm going to say before I let you go, my dear brother. Um, one of the things that God convinced me of many, many years ago when I was um, providentially allowed to ride the wave of the end of the world uh, in my 20s with Mr. Harold Camping and discovered the flaw of his system in my early 30s, 29, 30 years old, 31 years old, and began to discuss with him in private the uh, concerns that I had with his whole system uh, and recognized that he had no regard for me because I wasn't an engineer or someone who had a PhD in mathematics. Uh, and he was listening to such persons who actually had PhDs in mathematics and PhDs in engineering. And of course, their knowledge trumped mine, uh, so to speak. Uh, and yet I could recognize even with these guys with PhDs in mathematics and engineering. Steve, listen to this. This was this was so fascinating to me. Here I am, an auto mechanic. At best, I went to school for physical therapy. OK, and then end up being called to be a pastor. But my point was, is that I could see a disconnect between rational, logical, coherent thought and their desire to actually believe something to be true, even to the point of developing a closed loop system by which unless you follow their system to the T, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Their system didn't work. And I was convinced that 1994 was going to come and go 1996. And then Mr. Camping did the, the coup d'etat, the big one by saying the whole church ages ended, which was something I had discovered the Jehovah witnesses had also bought into. I said, this is a, closet Jehovah Witness. So I was able to get off that crazy bandwagon. And when God grounded me and prepared me for ministry, the one thing he taught me is that if the body of Christ is going to be unified in any successful manner, our conversation must not be the end of the world. It must not be speaking in tongues. It must not be uh, healings and miracles. It must not be uh, a flat earth theory. It must not be any of these peripheral issues that are really there to, 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 to beguile unstable souls, as Paul said in Romans 16, but rather the august, glorious, preeminent 
person and work of Jesus Christ. What's at stake today is the glory of God in Christ. And what you will note, Steve, is that people who begin to uh, engage in and barter these different peripheral issues ultimately diminish Christ of his glory. And at some point they end up leaving Christ, which means they never had him in the beginning. That's what bothers me about a lot of this stuff. And so I have been committed to the preaching and teaching of the word of God and its central message, Christ and him crucified, because that's the message that the spirit of God endorses to save his people. The kingdom of Babylon is doing all of the tearing down and confusion that you and I are affirming is existing today, even in the church. So let me give you the last word before I pull out. I'm listening. I'm saying I want to give you the last word before I, I take a break. Oh, it was, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. And, um, yeah, that was you nailed it. I, uh, that was fun. Listen, this was a good discussion. It felt, I felt I didn't feel like I was on a radio show. I felt like I'm talking to my my friend on the phone. It was very nice talking to you. You too, Stephen. Just pray for your friend because sometimes, unfortunately, not many times, but sometimes they recover. Sometimes, bless you, my brother. Got to take a heart break. Two lines open: one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Remember this: the devil will toss to you a truth in order to take away from you the truth. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back the time 540 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line two quickly and talk with Deborah in Oakland. Deborah, what's your question, comment, or observation? I think you're right on, Jesse. I want to thank you for the generosity of your heart. Before your Lord, did you did you enjoy? Did, did my sister bless you? Yes, she did. Okay, good. Because I, I don't know what happened. I'm just I'm just I'm as you can tell me because I don't know. Well, she's a vegetarian, so she. Oh, okay. How about you? Well, I eat both. I eat vegetables and meat and fish. Oh, bless you, girl. Bless you. <laughs> I, I eat anything. No, because my best friend. Was from the South, and from nursery school to uh, high school, her mother had eight girls that she raised by herself because her husband deserted her and her children. Yep, and it she happened. told her uh, daughter, um, one more won't make a difference because her, <laughs> I would come to school and her daughter would say, Deborah's hungry. I don't think she gets enough food. So mother <laughs> That's how it goes in the South. You know that. You You just know that, right? Yes. Right. I don't care. Listen, that's and that's uh, so funny. That's that's why our fellowship at Grace is, is like that. I you know, I grew up with that kind of culture, Deb, to be honest with you. Um if you sat in our house for five minutes, we're eating something. We're just snacking on something because that's the way that you demonstrate a real um reception of people and this is a biblical model. This is why food is in fellowship and, and, and uh and those kinds of things are centered in scripture. It's just that way. So I'm 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 glad you were able to, um, and my comment is that I'm against all these diets because these diets shrink your stomach, and then when you want to eat a full meal, you can't because <laughs> the stomach can't handle it. I agree. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think we should be eating right. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think we should be be, care, be being careful, but I don't so think diet you, is the key. So tell anybody in your congregation or anybody in your audience if they want to feed me at any time, they're welcome to come by. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And you've got thousands who have heard you on that, and we're going to be prayerful as they do that, prayerful and, as they and, do. And also pray for my health, because I, I have um, uh, problems that occurred 25 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, some jerk um, assaulted me in another state, and yeah. I yeah. I ended up with, uh, 25 years ago, being assaulted, and I ended up with warts. Yeah, I got you. Yep, I, you know, we all have some secrets like that. And the, you know, when people call this program on Mondays, you can be sure that there is a massive prayer team, not only ours at Grace on Tuesday nights, but others as well. They automatically, by obligation, are committed to pray for um, our callers just because that's the privilege of this kind of program. See, we are in an open forum that allows us to do that. So we got you, sis. We got you. Okay. All right. Blessings. All right, let me see here. Line number <clears throat> line number three, let's talk with Marlon in Oakland. Marlon, are you there? I am. What's your question, comment, observation, sir? Well, um, I was calling because as a comment, I was going to press your viewership and your, your community um, that my organization, Community Giving Foundation, will be hosting our 21st um, turkey drive, 21st annual turkey drive this coming Saturday. Um, in East Oakland at 9600 Sunnyside Street, where we'll be feeding community. We'll probably give out about 1,200 to 1,300 turkeys um, on a first mm, first mm, serve mm, basis. Mm, 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 mm. Sounds good. We'll be, we have the goal of feeding folks, and we've been over 21 years in four different locations in the Bay Area. And so um, that is our biggest uh, giveaway, which will be Saturday the 18th at the Third East Carter Park in East Oakland, deep East Oakland. And so we wanted to make sure that community knew, that families knew that they can come out and they can get a frozen bird. Um, there are plenty of organizations that do sides and, and do other things, but we wanted to be able to bless them with. With the um, bird, with the bird. bird, with the central meat. Exactly. And so so tell exactly. me, um, the spot that you recommend, is is it off 98th Avenue? It's on the corner of 98th and Bancroft. It's right. That's that's park. the park. That's the park, man. Exactly. That's the park. That's the park. Well, the community knows it as Sunnyside Park. Yeah. But it's called Verde's Carter Park, and so it's on the corner of the address, 9600 Sunnyside Street. So, yes, it'll be right in, it'll be right in the community. It's a first-come, first-served basis. People will line up as early as sometimes 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way the day will go, we have volunteers that will come. Um, it's a very kid-friendly, a family-friendly event where we encourage families to come out and volunteer. Yeah. Um, where we have kids and their <clears> families, and they'll, at 8 o'clock, volunteers arrive. At 9 o'clock, we have icebreakers. At 10 o'clock, Adults and children will break down the trucks and bag the bag the frozen turkeys. And at eleven o'clock on the dot, we will start to give the turkeys out. And we actually have the children give out the turkeys. Wow! Um, their their goal is to give out turkeys with a smile on their face to tell people Happy Turkey Day. And the adults, we make a human chain so that we can usher folks in and get them in and out. And we're actually out of there by noon, so we'll give out about twelve hundred, thirteen hundred turkeys. Wow! In wow! Less than an hour. Wow, it sounds very organized. It sounds uh, very structured and edifying as well. It's, 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 it's great that kids are involved, families are involved. And let me just kind of repeat this for our listening audience. It's going to be on 98th Avenue at the park, Sunnyside Park. You, there's an official name for it that Brother Marlon just hollered out. But anybody that knows 98th Avenue and Bancroft, we know the park. The park been there forever for those of us who have balled for years there. Um 
and they're going to be starting early in the morning. Now, you can come to get a turkey or you can come to volunteer. This is what Brother Marlon is saying. Brother Marlon happens to to don our fellowship at Grace, him and his lovely wife, and he is uh, sharing this, this activity with everyone on the 18th of November. This is coming this Saturday, right? Yes, sir. Right. And, and, yeah, and, and come out to receive as well as to serve because it is more blessed to give than to receive and be part of a dynamic that uh, I'm sure God will smile upon and, and bless as well. You guys remember turkeys on Saturday um, early in the morning, eight o'clock getting out there. They're going to be they're going to wrap it up by 12. They're going to be pumping out the turkeys and they're going to be t- done at 12. Don't come at 1230. Don't come at one o'clock. They rolling out of there because they got the rest of the day to do because that's what we do. We do what we do, get it done, and get on about our business. And Brother Marlon hollered in on us to let us know that that's going to be taking place this Saturday, simultaneous to the DOG, which I'll talk about after the break. Brother Marlon, thank you for the call, my brother. Have a wonderful week. And I might just stop by to do a cameo. Are you going to be there? Are you are you supervising all these other spots? No, I, I will be there. And so the, the other spots are actually happening on different days. And okay, so got it. People want to get information about the other spots. Or donate, they can go to our website, which is www.turkeydrive.com. Easy. And so, easy. And I will be there. I'll, I'll easy. Turkeydrive.com. And I'll be there. Um, it'll be a number of volunteers. Last year we had 400 volunteers. Sweet. Um, and people that just want to come out and serve our community at this time. And it's a wonderful holiday. People want to give thanks. And they yes, want to sir. Give service. Yes, sir. And try to make it there. Make it able for them to do. So, yes, yes, indeed. I definitely will be there. We would love to have your cameo. Absolutely. Listen now, get that hamstring together, brother. I, I understand what happened. Go head on and get some rest. Get it massaged up by your girl. Deeply massaged. Get a deep, 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 deep massage, brother. A deep, deep massage. And uh, and enjoy the recovery. And Lord willing, we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take a break, though. I got two lines open, one 367 Two lines open, one 367 Deep, 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 deep massage. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. Yes, we're back. The time is 552. One of the things that the Bible does is calls us to the prudence of patience, carefulness, discernment, objectivity. Um, whenever new fangled ideas come down the pike, you just don't jump on it. <clears throat> um, the conversation with Steve was very edifying. I, I just there's a trend to how people can be deceived by um, avoiding what biblical principles um, are there to let us know. He that speaketh before he heareth the matter, it is folly and shame to him. You just don't bite real quick. Do the research. It might take years for you to unearth the fact that this same theory, the same philosophy, the same idea, the same speculative concept uh, was was conceived and born in, and had airtime among the people of the world for a season uh, and then died out as era does. Uh, but its seeds remain in the ground waiting for fertile masses of people who have nothing else to do but to seek for some new thing. Again, the Mars Hill uh, syndrome. Uh, but Christians ought not to be that way. Christians ought to have a priority of purpose in life to where they are not distracted by a thousand different things, particularly things that have such a massive implausibility, but at the same time, a massive capacity to discredit uh, biblical truth. You just need to be very careful about that, ladies and gentlemen. So many errors taking place in our world, and, and at the end of the day, it's a departure from the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Let me go to line number one and talk with Ron and Milpitas. Ron, what is your question? Comment 
comment or observation, sir? Okay, um, I don't know how to put this. Let me let me think about it for a second. I've been trying to think of how to put this since I've got on the line. Okay, all of a sudden this week and last and I think last week there have been these refer, refer oh I don't know people on a panel. <laughs> I can't think of the word of what they call it. All of a sudden about race. Okay, all of a sudden. Because why? Because there's been a few issues recently in the news. Have they not noticed what's been going on Ooh, since the 60s? I, I have lived in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five of the southern states. I have worked and lived. Mm-hmm. And, and I have visited some other ones where I've worked in southern states. I have almost, I've touched every southern state but Louisiana. Okay. And, you know, the first thing they come to you when you don't look their part? The first thing they ask you is, what are you? Okay. Okay. I'm black, Puerto Rican, and I'm mixed race. Hallelujah. Okay. You in trouble, now brother. You in trouble. You, <laughs> you sound like a brother, but I don't know what Costanza. I've never heard of Costanza. I'm going to help, help you in a minute. It's the state you missed. It's called Louisiana. It's okay. It's Creole. Oh. It's Creole. It's all good. Go ahead okay. on, Ron. Okay, well, because that's the one that's the one state I missed. But I knew a lot of people <laughs> going back and forth when I lived in Mississippi. Yes, sir. And Mississippi. Uh-huh. Let me tell you about Mississippi. I think maybe in another ten years they might be in the seventies. Yeah. Because they still deep in the sixties. Yes, sir. And I was there only in two thousand and nine working. You're correct. Okay. Um, <laughs> I told somebody the other day. Please excuse me. If you ever saw the movie Annapolis, there's a line where the where the black guy that's heavy that's having problems, goes to the main guy who they hate because he's white from the wrong side of town. And he said, the reason I ain't leaving you is because you're Mississippi. (laughs) And he goes, huh? I'm Arkansas, you're Mississippi. (laughs) And he goes, Arkansas is glad that Mississippi is in the union because if it wasn't for Mississippi being in the union, Arkansas would be the worst state of the union. (laughs) Ooh, ouch. Now, now what you, all that you have. Okay. The question I have is, all of a sudden now we're oh we have a race problem? Excuse me? I don't think that that's the way to to sum it up. I'll I'll put it like this because it is a deep and lengthy and profound uh, topic, uh, Ron. And um, I'm, I'm sure I appreciate the fact that you've been to the South and have experienced the retrogression of societal consciousness uh, in, in many of those states. It's just true. It really is true. I know the South oh, well yeah. as well. Um, but the reality is that <clears throat> this matter transcends um uh, the regions of the West and the South, and it really is not new. It really is not just now. Uh, we are actually on the harbinger, Ron, of a number of revelations, uh, epiphanies, uh, conflicts, uh, conflagrations, if you will, uh, because that's what society does as it goes through the birth pangs of judgment, because we're headed towards judgment as a society. And so we have these contractions, and we are at a point of contraction. Uh, and so here in the West, uh, where we have been able to be reasonably <clears throat> civil and uh, and relational with the level of diversity of the ethnic groups that we do have, mm. we, we feel as if uh, engagement on those matters uh, can be positive and, and productive uh, so long as they are dealt with civilly because they are problematic. I'll be honest with you. They are problematic, not for everyone, but for large segments of our society, simply because... I- they simply because they are political. 
Jesse, I've lived in the Midwest, too, okay? I'm an engineer, so I traveled. When I left Silicon Valley, I traveled. Sure. Okay? I went to school in, in Alabama. I went to Alabama A&M, which was a black college. Yes, sir. Okay? Yes, sir. Okay? They used to ask me all the time, what are you? Because I had curly hair, just my curly weren't as kinky as y'all. Sure, sure, sure. And my skin was dark, but it wasn't as dark as y'all. Sure. So all the girls wanted to know, can I touch your hair? And all the guys <laughs> wanted to know, what are you? <laughs> okay. But I lived in Indiana, even recently. And I remember coming back from going to the Caribbean, where my family's originally from. Yes, you know, sir. Yes, sir. In the Caribbean. Yes, indeed. Actually, my wife is Dominican. Yeah. Only now is she talking about. Only in the last recent years are they talking about we're black Dominicans. Yeah. Now, now, see, see, you don't know, Ron. You don't know. You just segued into what I'll be teaching on at some point around narrative and language and terminology. You don't know. You are actually the embodiment of an argument that I and many others have. Against Against the white, black, uh, not only dialectic, but diatribe and rhetoric that actually is at the foundation of a whole lot of the racism that goes on in our culture. You are a perfect specimen of uh, of an opposition to it. See, but but oh, even you, goodness. even you adopted, even you and your wife adopted the term black, uh, which therefore necessitates the term white that reinforces the issues that have been going on politically, socially uh, for for many, 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 many years. And it has to be exposed and and looked at in all of its ugliness because there's a horrible, ugly history that has uh, that has attached itself to why we have to discuss it. Yeah. But you know what the thing is, the the, the funny thing is discussion, I think, is far past that. Because I was talking to a police officer when I came back, and I was living in Indiana at the time. I flew into Indianapolis Airport, and we were just discussing, and he was noticing something. And I said, oh, so we, we ended up talking about... He was telling me, hey, the conversation went weird. He was telling me, he said, you know what? In, in the police force, we're already looking at how we're going to line up when it hits. That's right. I said, when what hits? He said, when it explodes, yeah. black against white. So you just, you just have affirmed my point. Uh, Ron, you just have affirmed my point. So I'm going to tell you what I, I, I would advise you on uh, as a Christian, as a believer, who, who is living really in a space that frees you from uh, from this particular historical um, and inevitable conflict of which the the, the police department um, understands. It understands it deeply because of its own transformation out of um, a position of power and influence over masses of people um, hundreds mm-hmm. of years ago. So they, they understand that. They understand that political ideas have consequences. You continue to walk in the freedom wherewith Christ has made you free. Call men and women to recognize that Jesus is not white, black, or even Jewish. The Lord Jesus Christ is the God man. And as Paul said in second Corinthians chapter five, verse 15, we know no man after the flesh. We don't even know Jesus after the flesh. That means we don't, we don't capitalize on and barter for leverage. The fact that he was a historical Jew. No, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. And until the church really Mm -hmm. gets that message, until the church gets that message, the church will fail to rise above the dialectical process that the police department recognizes is on the way because we're new. We're moving into a new, Bacon's Rebellion. I'll leave that with you, my brother. Exactly. W- way overdue. Blessings. Blessings, my brother. Now, I got to take a break. When I come back, Deb, is you and I talking about the DOG this Saturday, and then Don and Darren. All three. Deb, Don, and Darren. With one line open, one 367 Sound Sounds like Brother Ron understands what I mean by the Bacon Rebellion. We'll be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.